You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Welcome to the JCN Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Jessica Cox. And I'm Carissa Mason. And we are here once again to discuss with you a new and exciting topic. Super new and exciting. Yes. SIBO. <laughs> Definitely worth singing. Thank you. Well, you did it before when you, when you were like, SIBO. And I was did like, I? yeah. <laughs> when we were writing down what we are going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> sing it. So it's a pretty popular topic at the moment, mm. isn't it? It's getting a lot of media attention. And it has been something that we've been asked to talk about. Yeah. So we thought, okay, let's hit up some of these really topical subjects straight yep. up and then we can intersperse them with some of the stuff that we get more excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it's not exciting, but we it? talk about it every we day, We talk right? about it all the time. <laughs> Bowel bacteria. Okay. So um, SIBO to people who have not heard of the term before is an acronym similar to IBS, but it stands for small intestinal, intestinal bacterial, bacterial overgrowth. So there's also something called SIFO. <laughs> Can you guess what that is? Hmm, what have we got? <laughs> What's that with F? Carissa? Fungus. <laughs> So, yes, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go too, but mm. we'll start mainly with concentrating on SIBO itself. Yeah, yeah. So, in regards to SIBO, would you like to have a little bit of a chat first about yeah. just the basics of what it is? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, obviously, I guess the name kind of gives it away. So, we've got um, small intestinal back... I'm always going to say bowel. Do you do that sometimes? Yeah, I actually and... wrote that once oh, on a you? post ages oh, ago and someone corrected, corrected me <laughs> and I was like, oh, awesome. Oops. <laughs> That's professional, Jessica. Well, you know. But I'd say, like, I'll put bowel on anything. Well, bowel, yeah. So like, anyway. writing prescriptions, if I'm saying have a bowl of something, yeah, I'll usually like write bowel. bowel. I was going to say, I do yeah. that all the time. Yeah. I do that too, like, out of clinic and then yeah, it's just same. like, in clinic, in context, you can understand because we deal with totally digressing here. Anyway, so... <laughs> So small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So what, in a nutshell, I guess it is, yeah. is it's kind of a translocation of bacteria from the large bowel. So let's, I guess, when you look at the role of bacteria in the large bowel, and what they're meant to do is break down and ferment and all our food fibers and everything like that. And they do some, there's a bit of nutrient absorption that happens there and all that kind of stuff. And then it gets expelled out. And then for what we find with um, SIBO, I'm just going to say SIBO. It's easier. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so what we find with SIBO is there's kind of a, uh, translocation of bacteria into the small bowel yep. of the bacteria that are meant to be in the large bowel. Exactly. Little so, migration. Little migration. Crossing so, the border. Crossing the border. Yeah. 
<laughs> without a passport. They're migrants. Yeah. <laughs> migrants. Yeah, in, they migrants are. into the small vowel. Um, so we actually, typically speaking, we have a valve between our small and our large vowel. Is it ileocecal valve? Is that the right one? Yeah, I'm right? pretty sure it yes. is. God, we're having so much trouble. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a disclaimer out there now. We didn't actually do any research before we started talking about this. This is just what we know off the top of our heads, which we hope is a lot. Um, <laughs> you would hope that we know the gastrointestinal tract pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. So we have this valve in between our large and our small bowel that is typically um, stops the translocation of this bacteria and also allows food once it's um, had gone through the digestive process of the small bowel into the large bowel, it opens up and lets that food or all those particles and breakdown matter, whatever, go into the large bowel and that's where it gets fermented and then excreted. Mm-hmm. So when these bacteria come into, what were you going to say? Sorry, I was just trying to I'm talking. The, so I'm interrupting you. I was trying to think of the name of what it's called when it's in the small intestines, the food. Oh, you know how um, they call it? Is yes. it bolus? Oh, is it? Oh, you know how it's called yeah. like it has our stomach or it's in the stomach I think and the then stomach it's called chyme? Chyme, yeah. And then that it what I was thinking. Bolus. bolus it's yeah. kind of, sorry, I'm, again, I'm regressing, yeah. but I'm just like, <laughs> think it's really funny how it has these random names along the way. It's such a random name. Like, yeah, who right. gives it that name? <laughs> You're going to be called chyme. <laughs> you bolus. And when does it go from chyme to bolus? You know what I mean? Like, who made that decision? <laughs> <laughs> what were they? <laughs> Oh my god. Wow, it's yeah. Friday. All right, yeah, totally sorry. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's this translocation of the bacteria into the small bowel that aren't meant to be there. And what we find is then things that are generally happening in the large bowel start happening in the small bowel. So, mm. there's a lot of reactivity because there's fermentation and things like that and reactivity happening in the small bowel where Ideally, it's not the place for it to be happening. No. Hence, SIBO. Hence. And then, <laughs> that's it, no. And then I'll, See ya. <laughs> hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Jesus, it is Friday. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, then that creates an unfavorable environment. Yeah. Um, inflammation starts to occur if it's not there already. Obviously, this is a very black and white picture of SIBO. Yeah, There's so much more that comes into it usually. And we'll talk about things that <clears throat> obviously will happen for this to occur. But in a nutshell, on a very baseline, yeah. black and white scale, this is what it is. So, yeah, we're and- not trying to put forward the latest well not even the latest we're not trying to break this down to like a scientific no um understanding of SIBO or we're not talking practitioner practitioner yeah. right this is just really baseline just giving a basic yeah. like this is kind of how I explain it to my clients yeah, yeah this exactly. is exactly. I just I'm like look this is what normally happens yeah. when these when these bacteria translocate into an area that they're not meant to then there's reactivity in the small bowel because fermentation processes yeah. and all that starts happening heaps of gas reactivity yeah. inflammation when there's inflammation and obviously those bacteria have the opportunity to colonize in there and they have the opportunity to grow and then other pathogenic presentations can start to take place obviously there's like when we were saying before with CFO, sometimes yeah. it's fungus, sometimes there's an element of the pet both going on. Yeah. But basically it's that bacteria in the wrong place. Yeah, definitely. And it's not that it's bad bacteria, it's just yeah, bacteria not... in the small intestinal tract. So it could be yeah. lactobacillus. Yeah, yeah it, could it could be, be a good guy. He's just in a place. To... It could be, yeah, yeah. it's just... He's doing, be what there. He, he's doing what he's meant to do. He's just not doing it in the right place. <laughs> right. Exactly. And as far as why it happens, there's lots of theories, isn't there? Yeah. So, you know, no, I don't think anything's been 
heavily proven yet. No. Like there's a there's an autoimmune element that is um, suggested. Yeah, very much suggested, and I think there's a bit of literature to support that. Definitely. As a but basically as a reaction post-gastrointestinal infection. Yeah. So classic sort of gastro scenario and then because of some of those inflammatory processes that happen, it sets up a bit of an autoimmune response within yeah. the small intestinal tract and then there's um, some reactions that happen there that start breaking down the ability for the bowel to or the mm. small intestinal tract to push everything along nicely. So yeah. the small intestinal tract should be having these nice movements, which we call motility, mm -hmm. just to make sure everything's being swept along nicely. And the theory is that this motility really gets broken down. It was not working as effectively. Yeah. So that's probably one of, I think, like the major mm. causes that is yeah. being, that has been thrown out there. And then there's things like post-operative um, interruptions, so like adhesions and so yeah, forth. So I'm sometimes like post, like... Um, laparoscopies and those sorts I've of... I've got a lot of appendix clients. Yeah. So they were... They might have had minor gastrointestinal symptoms. Yeah. Um, they've had their appendix removed. Yeah. Um, and post that, they haven't recovered. And yeah, obviously, when you look at the location of the valve... Yeah. Um, ...between the large and the small bowel and the appendix area, obviously, the two... There is quite a close locality, I guess, between the two. I, I would totally be speculative of me to say anything... Mm that one that the operation has caused that but it's just yeah. amazing like I can just think of so many people that go I've had my appendix out I've had issues in that area ever since I get pain there's that some people have had ultrasounds and they're scarring or adhesions or yeah. things like that but post that operation to remove the appendix their bowel has not recovered from yeah, that interesting so I just I don't know for me I can't ignore the two yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> well it is isn't it it's that invasion into that that area, area and there's mm. then always going to be a chance of yeah. adhesions so yeah yeah, I think that's another really strong area yeah. as such. Another so. one is I was watching a YouTube video the other day and it was just even on people who have a defective valve for whatever reason. Yes, yes, for sure. And this guy was actually massaging the site. He was showing on the – which I found interesting, Like, a, but obviously for people whose valve is – effective he was showing how you can actually mm. massage to open and close the valve mm. like there's a whole For sure. other side of treatment from a um yeah well that's a, definitely yeah. part of the treatment i know with some of this like the last summit that i went to they had a whole section oh on yeah wow actually yep. that specific um massage in yeah, relation the to yeah Opening really and closing yep. the valve. Yeah, yeah i just i was like it makes so much sense like we spend so much time treating from a bacterial perspective that you kind yeah. of forget to give it about the physiology like the yeah yeah just of it actually functioning as yep. a valve yeah open and exactly. close portal. Come, cool. in, come out come in come out <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, so i think that gives a little bit of a breakdown right um as to the stress yes but yeah yeah stress we'll everything stress. right we'll just put that to every category <laughs> definitely involved so what about symptoms i think this is where it can be really interesting because yeah. there's some classic what we would say maybe classic SIBO symptoms yeah. but it's not always definitive it's, it's not, not definitive always going to fit into this so Probably one of the the well, one of the ones I think of the most. I think you do is in relation to bloating. The bloat. I the don't bloat. differentiate the bloat. It's the bloat. <laughs> so typically, if you are bloating very quickly after meals, or even after just water or something yeah. random, like just an yeah. unexplainable 
distension. Yeah, definitely. But particularly after that that consumption mm. of something, yeah. if you think about it logically, it makes sense because you've had that food or that liquid and very quickly it's going to pass through the stomach and into your small intestinal tract. So you're going to have bloating quite quickly if there's bacteria there because of, meant to be the, there. as Chris was saying, that fermentation. So classically that tends to happen mm-hmm. whereas with the lower bowel in the colon it's usually an end it's of a day bloat. yeah <laughs> it builds doesn't it yeah, so it's yeah. like the classic oh i just by the end of the day i, I feel look so like bloated. three months pregnant yeah yeah and then typically they don't find when they eat they get a quick reaction yeah. it's more of a build yeah so, so it's definitely yeah i call it differentiating the bloat <laughs> <laughs> Look that up. That is a technical term. <laughs> Medical textbooks. <laughs> so I would say that's definitely one of the major areas that yeah. I would differentiate with. Yeah. Um, then typically too, I would say there's a lot more upper digestive symptoms. symptoms would yeah, you? Like not definitely. all the time, but there tends to be more reflux, indigestion, Indigestion is a massive one I find. Yeah. yeah. And, and even feeling like the bloating and the distension, like you they feel it higher yeah. in the abdomen, like you ask them where, and they're like, oh, it feels, oh, it feels up, up here. Yeah. Look at us both yeah. touching we're our like, guts. We're both touching <laughs> our guts, all of that. <laughs> That's what I do in my consult. I'm like, my clients, I'm like, do you bloat here or do you bloat here? Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, it's definitely up here. I'm like, great. Yeah. Is Definitely. it after food or is it more towards it? Oh, no, it's it's sometimes straight after it. I'm like, great. They're like, is there a difference? Huge. Huge, <laughs> massive. <laughs> so that would be another significant factor. Yeah. Um, what other ones are there? Um, I go, oh, I just had one on the tip of my tongue before we started touching our bellies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, um, the... Upper gastro symptoms, like what you were talking about. So mm. reflux, heartburn, um, bad breath, yeah. PPI use or H, yes, H. pylori yes. infection course, that keeps yeah. coming back borderline and people are yeah. getting smashed with um, H. pylori mm. antibiotics. I've got a few clients like yeah, this and they keep one. doing the breath test with the GPs and it keeps coming yeah. back borderline and they keep doing the antibiotics and it's just the same result yep. over and over and over again. Actually, that's another one we missed in regards to causative factors is PPI oh, use. PPI use yeah. is huge. Oh, for everyone, sorry, antacids, yes, pro- yep, yep. proton pump inhibitors. So Nexium is your most prescribed one that I can think of over the counter. But I think we yep. talked about this in our IBS podcast yeah, as well. Yeah, I think we did a little touched bit. Touched on it a little yeah. bit. But if you're, if you're needing to use proton pump inhibitors or antacids or anything for recurrent heartburn, I'm not talking about one-off, like yeah. – but all I'm the time I'm going, there's something at a bacterial level not right, affecting yeah. hydrochloric acid, affecting digestion, and more mm. often than not, it is it's bacterial. I'm origin. sure that there's some percentage of it, like it's, it's like maybe twenty percent, I'm gonna roughly of people who have been prescribed PPIs actually have the overproduction of stomach acid. Yeah. Like there's actually a very small More percentage of, of actually, those people that. Are, are taking it for yeah. the right reason as and the such. the rest of them just have bacterial yeah, overgrowth have or exactly. food intolerances or inflammation yeah. or all of the above. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. 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 And repetitive antibiotic use as Definitely. well. But obviously that ties into lower bowel. As well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess as far as, like, speaking lower bowel, like as far as, you know, bowel movements and so forth, there wouldn't be anything major that I would see there. Like, I guess, oh, actually, no, constipation. I would definitely yeah. say more of a chronic constipation. Um, not always, but I would think a little bit more SIBO, particularly the with the bacteria that 
we're talking about, they can be either mm. methane dominant or hydrogen dominant when yeah. we're testing, which we'll talk yeah. about. Um, and if it's more of a methane dominant picture, you'll tend to see some of that more chronic constipation. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, yeah, it's a definite, but if you're dealing with that constipation, then for me, it might be more of a red flag of, okay, yeah. is there SIBO going what on about, here? What do you think about chronic diarrhea then? And I don't know. Like, I think it's hard, it can, hey, because yeah. it could be It could be either, either. Or, or food intolerances. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think if you rule out food intolerances and yeah. you look at the large bowel and there's nothing screaming it, yeah. I would go, then you sort of, well, I suppose it's kind of process of elimination. That's a bit yeah. almost all that's left, really. Yep, definitely. That's Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so from symptoms, um, I guess we'd move to diagnosis. So realistically, when it comes to diagnosing SIBO, there's really just um, one major test that we would utilise, yeah? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that is the SIBO test. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> so that test is a breath test. Yeah. Um, and it's relatively easy to do. It's, it's a bit of a food prep diet. A little bit of a, yeah, remember. definitely. But. A little bit of a, a preparation diet needs to be done. Um, essentially, it's drinking some solutions prior to collecting the um, specimens, and mm. that's done over two different collections. And then that's sent off to the lab. So it's not super invasive. It's, I think, a lot easier than doing a stool test. I was about to say. (laughs) There's worse things on the market we could have you do. (laughs) And it's roughly depending. There's different variations of the test. But generally, the main one we use is about a $300 test, yeah? Yeah. 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 Is there postage on top of that? I can't remember. I think it's all inclusive. I actually don't know. Mm. I should look into it. I think it's roughly around that. I think it is about that. So that's a test that we tend to utilise. And it's it's a great test. It pretty much tells us, doesn't it, in regards to whether we're dealing with, as we said, methane dominance or hydrogen dominant Dominant. bacteria. Yep. So it doesn't come back and say, you have an overgrowth of lactobacillus in your small intestinal tract. It just tells us what the bacteria are producing and then it tells us, okay, yes, this is positive to start with. And yeah. then if they're hydrogen or methane, it gives us an indication of how we would go treating that, which is really useful for us as practitioners. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, mm. I know that when there does seem to be large bowel stuff going on for my clients as well, depending on how much of a cost issue it is, like... I will start with the large bowel testing more so than SIBO. Like if I think obviously that points more towards that, but then obviously if there's an element of SIBO, I'm always like, well, if we, and we can roughly treat you as if you've got SIBO, depending on what your tests come back with from Mm. the large bowel test. But then sometimes you're kind of like, no, I think we need to do this SIBO test now because we need to know, do we have hydrogen or methane bacteria? Yeah, definitely. Mm. And that all comes down to case taking, doesn't it? Like when we're talking about symptoms, if you've got someone sitting in front of you and they're ticking all of the boxes boxes. and it's screaming, this sounds SIBO, then of course you're going to go that. But if it's a lot of the other symptoms, that's where you'll go. So in an ideal world, it would be awesome to do everything, but it's expensive It's expensive, yeah. And by the time you add supplements and... Yeah. And sometimes it's good to treat one thing first yeah. and then move on you to see, the other. It's interesting to see what happens treating one thing too because yeah. sometimes magic happens. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that would be the testing. Um, and then once we know, right, we do the test, comes back, it's positive. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, what do we do? Ooh. And as always, I guess we're not going to go too deeply into like – 
you take this supplement and you take this much yeah, and so forth. I honestly don't think we have one client that we have on the same supplement routine or no. regime at all because it's just it's so individualized. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there'd be two aspects when we get these results. One is a supplement protocol mm-hmm. and the other without questions, the diet. The diet. Yeah. So generally speaking, it's it pushes more towards low FODMAP yeah. most of the time. Um, and I, I think we've both been doing a bit like using the SIBO biphasic diet yeah, but, quite yeah. loosely, like – I use it definitely because I love it and I find it's a great guide, but it's, I yep. don't, I definitely haven't depend because it's so just individual on where the client yep. is, how quickly they respond yep. to how quickly you can move through that sure. protocol and what you can introduce for some people more so than other people. Mm, definitely. Like, it's a great guide. It's like, a huge yeah. help. Oh my God. Like when that was, I think when, Mirala oh, yeah. popped that, yeah, popped it together and it's obviously got so much oh. amazing research. Like, and I think it's so invaluable, but yeah. I agree. We tend to use it more fluidly. Yeah. Fluidly is the word. Yeah. We're just starting and depending on that person and where they're at and how strong their symptoms are will dictate, okay, where do we put you? Where are we going to start you? How strict are we going to be? And then also how quickly can we move through this really strict period through to bringing more in? But I would say it definitely is probably one of the strictest types of diets, like, you know, the anti-candida type diets and so forth can Mm. be pretty strict, but... The thing with the SIBO diet is that not only is there the FODMAP component, but there's also other types of carbohydrates yeah. that you're looking at and then how much of everything can be really tricky. So, you know, we might be allowing certain amounts of some vegetables but not yeah. too many of all These of those are, veggies together. Yeah, because you do. You have some clients that, and you know, like – I'm just like struggling to get my words out right now. But they'll look at it and you already know that the food, other food groups that they're problematic with, obviously because their gut is inflamed, other yeah. food groups that they can have more in allowance on that stricter phase. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just tweak that in around yeah, that. And exactly. Brassicas, I find, are like, especially like your broccoli and. Yeah, some people go, you can like, you can have purple cabbage, I can't eat that. So yeah, yeah exactly. it's just more about not just giving them, I guess, the biphasic diet. It's definitely working, making it work. I do find people love it though because they read it and they get mm. such a good understanding yeah. of what SIBO is. Yeah. I, I think my explanations in in consult are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but they just seem to get so much more out of this biphasic book. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I'll give them like a walking diagram around my gut of what's going on. <laughs> uh, no, it is. It's a it's a great diet as a base, mm. but for us, which we've talked about before, the most important thing is when you have a diet that's strict, it's not just giving someone a list and saying, This is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat, see you later. Yeah. We will take like that, that and then we're putting that together into a full plan. So giving breakfast, breakfast lunch. lunch. Dinner, maybe snacks, snacks, which is another element, right, of SIBO. Maybe not snacking so much. But we'll pop that all together for someone so Mm. they can have an idea of, all right, how am I going to make this work, which is so important. And then with the intention of giving them a guideline of, Mm. okay, and hopefully three weeks or four weeks or six weeks, you know, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to try bringing in. Yeah. Um, And that can be a really sort of tough zone of just sort of trial and error. Yeah. And um, I guess that brings us to 
what we we're talking about beforehand before we started recording that aspect of with the diet how it can become quite controlling mm. um and it can become you can become trapped in your own little safe spot because yeah, you feel like you finally you're don't eating, have symptoms yeah and you're eating this really limited diet which long term is not healthy no um and you feel symptom free so you're very afraid of breaking free of that so when we're encouraging you we're saying we want you to try this and try that there can be a lot of fear associated and yeah we, I think we've both seen people who have come in to the clinic at and that stage. Yeah, yeah. And they've like been following that really restrictive phase for way too long. Yeah. And then that becomes a problem in itself because they're eating in a way that might be keeping their SIBO symptoms at bay, but because of the lack of all of the different types of fibers, fibers. and carbohydrates, they're completely depleting the bacteria in their lower bowel, which is creating more symptoms and different types of problems but it becomes like this vicious cycle yeah which i think is really problematic and that's where we've got to be really careful of not just fixating on one problem because yeah. the gastrointestinal tract is all together yeah. a unit and you can't just like think about SIBO 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 i know SIBO is awesome and it's the buzz thing at the moment yeah. particularly with practitioners but it's like don't forget about the lower bowel yeah don't forget what this guy needs to actually function and keep yeah. functioning and keep the re the rest of us healthy like yeah definitely um, i'm honest like i just think i'll be super interested to see I don't, just on a side note, but like with ketogenic diets and yeah, there's a lot of stuff at the moment that I'm finding. Like obviously we've talked about this in the past before as well, but just all these low carb, no carb. Yep. Well, not that they're ever no carb, but you know, and I'm just like, oh, I just want to know. on gut bacteria Yeah, just the large term. bowel. That's what I think about. Yep. I'm like, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It is a problem. It freaks me out. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, with us reintroducing foods, with these types of protocols as soon as we can is just so vital. Yeah. And I know we've I've definitely seen it in testing even mm. where you've got someone who's had like ongoing SIBO treatment quite, you know, quite, a, I, do I use the word aggressive? Like, you know, but very comprehensive SIBO treatment, just treatment after treatment after treatment. And they yep. feel like they're kind of getting better with that SIBO picture, mm. but all of these other things are becoming a problem. And yep. then you do – a test and check their lower bowel, which has kind of been forgotten about, and it's just like a barren wasteland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like it's so those true. Hay bales, those, just, all those things, those the tumbleweed, tumbleweed thing. those things, just rolling down know, the, the middle, the coyote like whistling somewhere. It's <laughs> my coyote noise. <laughs> so it's a bit of a yeah that concerns me. So it concerns me. Like I think oh yeah I think you're def like definitely right. But we talk about this all the time. But it's not getting fixated on one problem. SIBO mm. is definitely an element for a lot of people. Um, large bowel issues are an element for a lot of people. You can't yep. ever ignore stress. You can't. There's yep. just so much stuff that has to. And obviously you can't do it all at once. But it's definitely yep. not. As practitioners, it's so important not to get fixated on this one little problem and then just try and hammer it until yeah. it's <laughs> hammer it into the ground. Or give people twenty million supplements yes. and just keep going yeah. with those. Like yeah, that's yeah. not the answer either. Exactly. So yeah, and there's some really awesome um, research and so forth that's being done with treating SIBO using a more, I would say, a gentler approach, like using more like of the prebiotics and using certain yeah. strains of probiotics yeah. as opposed to it being all about like this massive antibacterial 
Assault. antimicrobial approach or an anti because obviously we actually didn't mention that because we don't use them antibiotics they used yeah. a lot placebo so yeah. you know instead of that approach there's some really interesting i think successes being shown now yeah which i think is really cool because that's more going in and supporting the system more and don't get me wrong like we use those antimicrobials quite a lot but we use them short term yeah we give the body break i don't know like i just always i just think there's nothing worse than trying to shock the body yeah like i just think everything should be done gently and everything should be done with Mm. the own body's own capabilities in mind but also yeah. you know like if you're per- if that person is really chronic and they are really damaged and they have been through hell and back yeah don't they go then and sh- try and shock the shit out of their system yeah. <laughs> Yeah. anymore it's had enough look after it nurture it and just slowly i don't know that's yeah, yeah. i'm pretty passionate about not using shock tactics with yeah, the body definitely anything not just the gut <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the the treatment is definitely it needs to be very individualized but it needs to be looked at in relation to all right you've got this starting point where it can be really exciting as a practitioner you've got your results it's like Mm. right we're going to go in and we're going to do this really uh what would be the word really exclusive and really a limitate i can't think of the word chris help me out (laughs) you're like looking at me what do you mean what are you getting to Like an elimination style diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're basically using... Targeted approach. <laughs> we're using that that type of diet that's so restrictive mm. and we're doing this antimicrobial protocol and it can be quite exciting, but don't get stuck in that and yeah. you have to think about, all right, what's those next steps? Where can I start to get in and ensure that I'm rebuilding yeah. the microbiome? Of microbiota yeah. for this person, ensuring that they're getting all of those right prebiotic yeah. foods and taking them to a place where they can start to enjoy more of a variety of foods. Yeah, and, and even what you said before with like the single strain probiotics, just slowly in, yeah. so we're not leaving our poor large bowel as a barren wasteland. <laughs> yeah. But the, with always been the idea in mind that the micro any microbial and strict diet part phase of it is hopefully as short term mm. as we can make it. With it, and then we start building the gut back up and seeing yeah. what it's up to handling and reintroducing species that may not be there and yeah. or need to be built back up and just really supporting the gut in what it is actually designed to do, which yeah. it is designed to facilitate this healthy, harmonious environment and deal with invaders and support its own ecology. Mm. It just sometimes needs a bit of help, but it doesn't yeah. need definitely doesn't need starvation for two years or an, yeah. an assault of supplements or yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the other interesting that's related to this, but, you know, a lot to do with gut as well, is that once you get to that point where you feel like your gut's a lot more robust and we have people feeling like they're at a good level. Gut is robust. (laughs) Brutus. (laughs) (laughs) That they can kind of get a little, again, a little bit worrisome about any sort of little symptom or niggle. Like, you know, things happen. Like every now and again, you're going to probably eat something that doesn't agree with you or there's going to be some bug going around. There's In Brisbane at the moment, there's How some gastro going around, right? Sick. The Everyone. amount of emails that what we've had over the last few weeks from clients like freaking out because they think their symptoms are flared up. They're like, oh, my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it's like, it's okay. Like it just sounds like you've got some gastro. Yeah, or well, you've eaten something the right... a bit wrong. Yeah. it's. I think sometimes we can forget that. Like we get so 
fixated on our mm. gut when we're treating our gut and trying to get it into this yeah. better state that, you know, once we get to an area where things are all right, if any little twinge or yeah. little like, you know, this random loose bowel movement, it's like, oh, my God, what is it? What's going on? <laughs> I'm melting. <laughs> it's all gone wrong again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a side note, but it's just no, something but it's, I'm thinking it's of true, at the moment. No, it's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah, just like once you, your gut is a bit more robust, it will handle, hopefully, things and that's the idea like we want to get your gut to the stage where it handles like if you pick up it's not about avoiding all these things for the rest of your life as far as um viruses and bacteria because that it's inevitable that in our lives we're just going to come in contact with these things it's getting your gut and your immune system and your body as a functioning system back to a stage where yep if you pick that up shit happens yeah but you handle it you get yep. over it and you go back to healthy functioning yep, like that exactly like can't help something yeah it's like it's like a cold right yeah. like you just someone who gets sick all the time and you build them back up again but it's not like they're never going to get a cold yeah. again it's like you are cured <laughs> oh hell <laughs> the healthy one that's right like you and i will get a cold every now and again yeah yeah it's, it's rare but we of course we're going to get a yeah. cold but we'll get over it quick yeah um we'll do all the right things and that's fine that's fine so, yeah, yeah the gut's going to be like that too yeah you will pick things up or you know get a yeah. bad dose of something or Go and eat something you know you shouldn't eat. (laughs) Just going, you will deal with this gut. You will cope. So I guess, yeah, I think why we're making such a point of that is for what we see in clinic, but even for people who are listening who may be following SIBO protocols and in that really strict phase and they've just been there. Or FODMAP diets if they're not following it a SIBO protocol. That's it. And they're just sort of stuck in that phase. It's just like, you know, maybe you need to start thinking about talking to your practitioner about building it back up. Yeah, that's it. Exactly, because yeah. it's, a, it's a, something we see way too much yeah. that concerns us. And it is the longer you leave it, the harder – it's not the harder it's going to be to reintroduce, but of course there's going to be some level of reactivity. If you haven't had a food yeah. for – not all the time, but if yeah. you haven't had a food for X amount of months or X amount of years and you yeah. tr- want to bring it back in, there is going to be a level yeah. of reactivity. Definitely. But – it's having someone, I guess, to hold your hand through that process yeah. and I guess just be like, no, that's okay, that's manageable, yeah. let's just see how you got tracks with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, I think as far as, yeah, as I said, supplements, we'll sort of leave that one to the side. As yeah, because well. so, yeah, it's so different. We don't need to delve into that yeah. very much. Um, and I feel like we've pretty much crossed everything off the list. Oh, we did mention the CFO thing, but realistically that's just similar Really, yeah, I would say the protocols and everything would be very similar. It just sometimes would maybe make the treatment um, a little bit more tricky or it might just mean that it's going to take longer to get from A to B. Yeah, I find, like, again, fungus comes back to... Oh, I just find it is, yeah, it's a bit different. And then mm. it, it would definitely, I find if I've got people that I, I have suspected CFO, yeah. I do find it changes the reintroduction of foods. And I am yeah. stricter, a yeah. lot stricter with other things, yeah. especially like wine. Like obviously we know yeah. the initial stages of treatment, but Pete, these are things that I find people really miss. Yeah, and if they yeah, so that, true. If they definitely have that, that fungus or fungal yeah. overgrowth presentation mm. going on and sugar it really is their trigger yeah. i'm i'm actually a lot less lenient same 
like yeah, unfortunately <laughs> yeah like chocolate wine like all these yeah. things that you know they're really craving i'm just like unfortunately this is your trigger yeah definitely so you need like whereas someone else who definitely is more of a bacterial presentation and mm. there's not much of an a sugar issue there at all then i'll be like look six weeks in if you want to have a, you know and they're feeling a lot better yeah if, and it's as you say always it's case by case so case, yeah. your body a lot of the time is going to tell you so if you have yeah. a client that's starting to experiment with some of those things and they're maybe enjoying a wine on the weekend and it's going it's down going fine and their awesome. symptoms aren't flaring up and that's awesome. That's yep. great. Yep. So whereas if it's, you know, they're having it and they're waking up the next day like they're being hit by a yeah. truck, it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit different. It's like, oh, no, yeah. keep going, have a bottle, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I think the thing with CFO too is like it's kind of, you know, it's like another cool acronym. But I wouldn't. I would kind of say if there's like CFO going on, then generally there's going to be a generalized overgrowth yeah. of like you know yeast. Yeah, it's fungi, kind of just, whatever you want to call it. Throughout would you just the, say it's like the, I think I said this to you the other day, but it's kind of just like the new term for candida almost, but yeah. <laughs> it's just localized to the small bowel. Yeah, but, but the, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, really, is it localized? Like we yeah. don't have a way of testing, testing it realistically. It, yeah. I mean, we've. We see it pop up in um, the CSA testings, yeah. whether they pick species or not. But then there's obviously a whole lot of symptoms that we see in people. Yeah. So, yeah, I just – I think it's kind of one of those things that you sort of look at and it's like, yeah, I get it. And it's, you know, probably an, an element um, that going on yeah. in the small intestines and these chronic cases. But I'm sure it's not just hanging yeah. out there. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I am staying in here. <laughs> Close the valves. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Do you think we've missed anything we need to talk about? So. It's probably something like really major yeah, probably that we've really missed. It's been Friday. And- yeah. <laughs> As per usual, if we've talked about anything that's left you curious, you've got questions about any of the topics, particularly obviously in regards to SIBO, you might be in treatment yourself or you might be thinking about getting tested um, or just, yeah, really, really curious about where your gut fits into that whole picture, let us know. Yep. Pop so, us an email. Yeah. Emails. You comment. Can comment here um, in regards to with the podcast itself on iTunes, SoundCloud as well, social media, yeah, um, Insta, Facebook. Pretty much you'll find us everywhere. Yeah. yeah just yep, hit we- us up. <laughs> You can also go on to saturating everything right now. (laughs) You can go on to the website as well. Um, There's a bookings tab there. So, you know, if you're wanting to make a time to chat with me or Carissa. Um, But there's also an inquiry section. So feel welcome to flick through any questions that you have. And if there's anything you guys else you guys want us to talk about like obviously we've got a few things written down for the next couple of podcasts that people have asked us to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just throw ideas at us. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. That's it. Not just exactly. what we want to talk about. Because yeah. <laughs> we'll just spend all day talking about bowels. <laughs> that's, <all right. laughs> and that's all you will hear about. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Latest bowel research. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe as well. That's um, the best thing you can do for us and leave us a five star rating. Anything less than five stars will we'll, um, never block let you on social media. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll ban you from all recipes and <laughs> anything else that you think of. Yes. No, not really. No, not really. <laughs> but it would be kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think that's it from us today. We better get back to it. Yep. You got to go to your PT session and sweat it on out. Yeah. <laughs> got to struggle. And it's Friday, so that means Noosa Chocolate Factory. Yes. Well, at least I can work off some. I don't know, stress and then just go have some Noosa. Yes. Sounds good. Yeah, balance. Balance. See that balance? Yeah, see what we're talking about? (laughs) Nailing it. (laughs) All right, we'll see you later, guys. All right, bye.